So my name is John Pugh and I'm uh, the co-lead for the Accenture Health Tech Innovation Challenge. Basically what we've been doing in the last uh, nine months is um, a huge global program where we've been facilitating conversations between uh, industry, so that's life science companies and healthcare organizations, and um, startups. We opened the, uh, the, the process um, and we had an overwhelming response from the startups. We had five, five, over 500 startups applying to join the program, which was a phenomenal response. Um, we've filtered that through, through a, a period of uh, assessments, um, including uh, two days, one in New York and one in London, where we had a series of demos and Q&As and questions, where our industry judges helped us select the startups that you will see coming on stage uh, tonight. What's going to happen is each of the startups are going to be pitching for around four minutes and um, we will, the industry judges that you see before us will be uh, assessing those, writing down notes and scoring them and we'll be selecting three startups uh, at the end of the evening which we will announce to you around about 7.30. That's the important question, is it? When do the drinks start? I think the drinks are starting about seven. So there's a, the free bar around seven o'clock. Um, it's been a pretty incredible journey, actually, to get here. Um, and in many ways, the startups, they're all winners already, just to get to this point. And so I'd like to start with a bit of a round of applause for all the startups who are coming here tonight. We have Capture Proof, uh, Inamed, Medex Note, Nuna, Quio and UE Life Sciences. Um, unfortunately, two of the startups couldn't make it tonight. Brain Control and Cupris couldn't come here for unforeseen personal circumstances. Actually, Cupris did manage to make it here. They flew all the way over from Europe. Um, and then he got a call that his wife had gone into labor prematurely and he had to fly all the way back again last night. So that's, uh, we have our absolute sympathies for that. I should also mention, and um, we want to uh, thank our industry judges who have traveled all the way over here from all over the US and all over Europe. I think it's possibly the most prestigious gathering of healthcare and life sciences um, uh, collection of judges that's ever been assembled. Uh, we have yeah, around 24 judges, CTOs, CIOs, um, CIOs, all here today. So yeah, thanks for the, uh, the, the, the spontaneous applause there. Um, so before we do that, I'm just going to hand over to our head of health, uh, Kaveh Saf Safari. Thanks, John. Good evening. My name is Kavis Safavi. I'm Accenture's uh, healthcare practice leader, and uh, welcome all of you to, to uh, here to our uh, the culmination of our startup event. Uh, the sweet green kicks mean that we're judges, and uh, you still have a few minutes if you choose to influence us in some inappropriate way prior to the voting. I would encourage you to do that. We're up at the front. Uh, this particular uh, challenge has been a great one for us as we've watched the uh, competitors go through uh, two competitions on two continents to get here tonight. It's also an interesting example of the collaboration, the convergence between the healthcare and life sciences industries, and as well as the payers and providers, and you see all of that coming together. So I'm really looking forward to hearing the final pitches. Before we do that, I'm going to introduce Anna Reardon, who leads our life science practice, and Anna is going to take us through a very interesting panel conversation with a number of our participants, and then we're gonna to get to the pitches. 
So, Anne. As Kaveh said, I lead Accenture's life sciences practice, and I've gone for the extra green, just in case. And I, I am Irish, so I've got orange glasses as well, so I'm going to look like the Irish flag shortly. I, I, well, I, I want to just spend a couple of minutes uh, actually doing quick background. We're setting up uh, this panel is going to really going to talk about digital disruption and its effect on patients' lives. Um, so I wanted to, uh, I will introduce the panel in a minute, but just talk a little bit about the background of why do we, why, why now? I mean, we had these moonshot moments as you came in the door and somebody asked me in, in, in the interview up there, why is now important? And we really believe that it is a combination of three factors that are really coming together. And it's socioeconomic change, it is the, the reality of scientific breakthroughs and the digital revolution all coming together at the same time that really think, we believe is changing, changing the market in healthcare. I won't go through this in great detail, but actually if you look and take, take a minute to even think about the socioeconomic impact of, uh, of healthcare as populations rise, as populations age, Quite frankly, in most countries in the world in the last number of years, healthcare costs have been rising faster than GDP. It's unsustainable. And that gives us our economic reason for actually even having a conversation about disrupting the industry. In addition, we've had multiple other factors disrupt from a socioeconomic perspective, but that's the fundamental, it's cost. The second part is really about scientific disruption. If you look back over the years, many of the uh, normal diseases have been resolved and we have off-patent products in many instances to resolve uh, and therapeutics to resolve those but we've got some of the hard stuff left and we've had some incredible breakthroughs in science in the last number of years and you'll see that combination of just this breakthrough in science as well as this dichotomy when you come to specialized medicine and generics happening in the market you will see digital therapeutics coming onto the market you'll see the use of IOT and everything else and you'll see some great examples of that here tonight and then you've got this, this revolution in health awareness and monitoring, which I think you're all aware of. It's affecting every single one of our lives, but it is leading to different types of breakthroughs. The third thing is digital. Digital isn't just the technology. The data is a huge component of it. The availability of genomic data, the availability of EMR data wasn't available even 10 years ago. So that's giving us a different advantage in life, the data disruption. But it's also the rise of, of this type of a community of startups in the health area that are really driving and propelling the industry forward, <coughs> as well as the expectations of the patient. Every single one of us, whether we're sick or healthy, have different expectations about how we manage our health going forward. So we are seeing this culmination of events actually all come together at one point in time to change the business models and to affect how, how people go about delivering healthcare. We see that the verticals that used to exist in the past, and Kaveh referred to them, which is you know the payers, the providers, uh, and, and the producers actually coming together around the patient in a very different type of holistic and integrated business model. Uh, we see the evolution of what you would call simple products and services coming to the market all the way through what we call living services. And living services are the kind of services that you interact with every day. When you interact with Google Maps today, it doesn't just tell you where to go, it tells you what time the restaurant's going to be open, what time it's going to be closed, whether you have a reservation. Your expectation of how you interact with many aspects of technology in your life have completely changed, and it's no different in healthcare and how we deliver healthcare. And that's why we believe the bar is constantly being pushed on technology and healthcare and how it is used to affect a patient's life. 
We ultimately believe that we're all going towards living services. Living services will break down the barriers between the silos and industries. It will be facilitated by technology. It will be enabled by science, and it will be underpinned by the socioeconomic reality. But ultimately, this is the world we're all going towards, where it's very interconnected. It's people collaborating across non-traditional boundaries to bring a difference to patients' lives. So that's our perspective on it, but I have five brilliant people here who know way more about this than I do, so I'm going to ask them what they think. So first things first, I would love for each of the panelists to uh, actually introduce themselves and give their perspective on what they think the forces are uh, in the world that are affecting healthcare and why do we need to respond. So I am going to start with Clark because Clark wanted a hard question. So Clark, why don't you start, introduce yourself and let us know what you think about what you, your views on the top trends affecting the industry. Uh, so Clark Olstani, I'm the president of Emerging Businesses at Merck as well as the global CIO. Um, and a little bit of background on Merck quickly. Uh, Merck is a biopharma. Uh, we're focused uh, clearly on the human health side, on therapeutics. We also have another business that uh, most aren't aware of, which is the animal health. I affectionately like to think of this also it says the therapeutics business. It's focused both on the petables and edible side of, of animal health. And we also have another division uh, which is focused on really providing advanced uh, solutions and services into the healthcare continuum, uh, which is our HSS division, which we'll talk about a little bit, uh, a little bit later. Uh, across that, I think Anne really painted the picture there when we think about the economics. And today, you know, when we think about healthcare, most of it is fee-for-service. I believe the largest force is going to be driving towards outcomes-based uh, results. And that's going to be needed as we go forward, I think, within the U.S., which, you know, clearly, as a percent of GDP, we, uh, we are far ahead of the world in spend, and I'm not necessarily sure that the outcomes, as we all know, uh, justify that level of spend. So over time, I think we'll see a shift and a real focus on what it means to drive outcomes-based uh, results across the healthcare continuum, not only in therapeutics, but in every aspect of health. And I think that combined with digital, it'll change everything from the experience to the way that we uh, also engage patients and healthcare practitioners, the way that we think about uh, providers uh, servicing uh, all of us. And I think there is a tremendous sea of change that's coming. And I think this conference alone demonstrates how everyone is becoming become engaged in what is a huge opportunity going forward. Thank you very much. Um, Stephen, would love your perspective. I don't have anything cool like pedibles and edibles. Um, Steven Nelson, I handle strategy and planning for Anthem. We're a Blue Cross Blue Shield plan. We also have um, Medicaid business. Um, I, I'd agree. I think it's outcomes oriented. Um, I think the provider has to be engaged at a different level. Uh, I don't trademark the term, but I think provider consumerism is we're getting into that age where we all paid attention to consumerism for a long period of time. I think it was um, a push and probably got quieted down some when a lot of people had a tough time executing that in the insurance industry. But I think the provider needs to come along for the ride, especially in the day of outcomes, um, how they engage patients, how do consumers get engaged in that equation somehow along the way, and data and other things I'm sure we'll talk about here as a panel. But 
I think in general, I would probably say provider, if we're going to put the provider in the outcomes world, they have to have a different way to engage the consumer in a way that probably hasn't occurred yet today. Um, I think a lot of payers have tried. I think payers are still trying. We are as well. But I think somewhere along the line, the provider and provider enablement needs to come full circle with that. Excellent. Okay. Carl, what do you believe? Uh, some similar thoughts. I, uh, so I'm the uh, CIO for Shire. And we're the uh, global leader in rare diseases and specialized conditions. So you talked about some of the incredible medical breakthroughs recently. But uh, just to give you a flavor on rare diseases, there's about 7,000 of them. Uh, about 80% of them are genetic. Um, and you know, it's, it's an area that we know very little about. They're very complicated. Uh, while they affect you know, few, you know, orphan or rare, you're talking about incident rates of, let's say, one in 50,000, one in 200,000. Collectively, it affects about 350 million people globally. Uh, and the most shocking statistic is that 95% of rare diseases don't have a single approved FDA treatment. So when I think about it, um, the time to diagnose is long. In rare diseases, it's about five years on average. And there's just a, a ridiculous number of missteps along the way. So a huge area of focus. So I would say certainly whether, you know, Shire's thinking about its expensive treatments and uh, I think this whole volume to value shift and outcome-based reimbursement, certainly that's always going to be a, a play for all of us. But I'd say the other dimension really is just this explosion of data and information and, you know, how we can leverage that to completely transform the entire sort of experience, I would say, so... Excellent, thank you. Uh, and Matt, Matt, what's your perspective? Sure, I'm Matthew Collier and I'm the global lead for healthcare strategy at Accenture. And I'll build off of a little bit of what you guys all said, which was the pivot for, from fee for service, fee for volume, to fee for value, right? As just the economic underpinnings of, that's driving and fueling the pace of change and the desire for change enabled by technology. But the key question is, okay, where, what does that lead to? What's the next step and implication for a company? And I think it's fundamentally about moving from an interventionalist model of healthcare that's defined by episodes of care to a managerial model of healthcare that's defined by a continuity of care. And the interesting thing about that is if you think about it through that lens, even in the 85% of healthcare that's delivered in America today on a fee for volume basis, there's still ways for that to drive tremendous value for incumbents. And certainly it's going to be a part of any new pivot towards fee for value. Uh, and so that's, I think, the one that I'm most keeping my eye on. Wow, you guys are covering all aspects of this. So Unity, you're coming at this from a different angle. So yes. talk to us about what you see. Yes, uh, Unity Stokes, co-founder and president of Startup Health. Uh, thank you for for uh, organizing this panel and, and uh, for supporting Startup Health. Um, Startup Health is organizing and, and supporting a global army of health transformers to focus on 10 health moonshots over the next 25 years so that we can improve the health and well-being of everyone in the world. So it's, a, it's an extraordinary, very audacious, bold uh, mission that we're on. Um, but the reason we believe it's possible um, is because we believe that now is, is really a unique moment because of five conditions that are converging all at the same time. So you have health reform and changing business models happening not just in the US, but really across the world. Uh, you have 
increased demand for new solutions because of an aging population, uh, because of a chronic disease epidemic that is uh, really causing um, a need around the world for new solutions. And as you mentioned, there's a digital revolution going on in, in health and healthcare. Um, affordable clinical grade sensors, uh, billions of mobile devices in and on and around us, um, AI, virtual reality, internet connectivity, genomics, analytics, all of these things coming to change health and healthcare, both in terms of the consumer, but also in terms of the industry. And, and that is creating a wave of innovation like we've never seen. Um, the last two conditions are uh, what we call the golden age of entrepreneurship. Over the last five, six years, we've seen an extraordinary influx of thousands of innovators, thousands of entrepreneurs, not just here in Silicon Valley, but around the world, in innovation hubs around the world, that instead of building stalker apps and social networks and gaming companies and coupon companies, are dedicating their lives to the health innovation. And it's this wave of innovators that are coming in um, to, to really reinvent the future of the industry that I think is so extraordinary. And I sort of mentioned this, but this is a global phenomenon. It's not just happening in the US. It's not just Silicon Valley or Boston or New York. It's really happening around the world. And I think the big opportunity is to think about the rising billions, the people, the billions of people that currently have no access to care, that can afford no care. And what I think is gonna happen is these billions of people are gonna be health consumers in the very near future. And it's gonna create a lot of opportunity, but it's gonna change a lot of things very quickly. Fantastic. I actually think we covered almost all angles there from economics to data, to the transformation to value, to of course your very comprehensive Five, five angles of it. Um, so the, the next question is really about what does all that mean uh, like for the patient, for patient and consumer centric, what does that mean in this kind of digital and value age? And as a subset to that, as we transform in this digital and value oriented age, well, how does it challenge our existing business models? I'm going to address this question to three of you, to Carl, Stephen, and Unity, so you guys can think about it a little bit. But uh, Stephen, why don't we start with you? Yeah, I, um, I think right now, and I, I agree with outcomes and risk, and I agree that value is where it's at, and I think there is value being attributed back when care actually gets delivered. But I don't know um, how consumers engage in that process. I think if you were to ask them who they trust to deliver that engagement today, I don't think they trust the payer. I don't know if they would trust a startup per se um, or a widget that they'd have to engage. I think the person they emphatically trust is their provider. So the question then is how much is on the provider to generate value? Because there's a lot on the provider today. Um, and as I was talking with a former executive earlier today, the providers are asked to do a lot in the ecosystem of today. A lot more access, I'd agree. But how do you give them use cases then to engage their consumer? I think it's closing the loop. You know, a true CRM, if you will, of engagement in provider care is when you close the loop with the consumer. Direct engagement happens when the, when the fee for value takes place. But how do you actually close the loop 
with the consumer after they get that great value for care that they're going to receive in the new reimbursement models of today. I don't know if it's use cases. I don't know if it's startups like this. It could be one of the five or many of them that deliver it, but someone has to bring the provider along for the ride and figure out how to engage the consumer when they're in the doctor's office, because we're all patients at the end of the day. Excellent. Okay. So, Carl, from your perspective, particularly with rare diseases, this one is kind of front and center, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I'm thinking along similar lines. I mean, I think certainly it's, it's well beyond... I'll call it sort of safety or efficacy of the products today, right? I mean, that was sort of the starting point. I would say it is that stickiness. I think about it not just in the context of the patient, but for us, because so many of these rare diseases affect young children, um, it really is about the caregiver as well in terms of, you know, kind of bringing them along. Uh, you know, you mentioned about, you know, how, so how do you, I mean, how do you make it personalized? How do you change the entire sort of disease state experience, I would say? along that continuum? How do, you, how do you find the patient? How do you pair them with the right healthcare professional? How do you find them you know, the right treatment? Um, you know, how do you sort of surround them with the right personalized services where they can really take far greater accountability and ownership along that, along that journey? So those are some of the things that, that uh, we have to think about uh, along that continuum. And Unity? So a little bit different perspective in the sense that I think we're just really at the tip of the iceberg for how drastically and dramatically things are going to change and, and how quickly. Um, if you go to Cote d'Ivoire in Africa, there's four oncologists for 20 million people. There's not enough providers to solve that challenge. You go to India, 1.3 billion people, there's like 2,000 psychiatrists for the whole nation. Um, at the same time, you see um, really what's happening in our daily lives, just with, with, with these and cars are driving themselves now and, and design is changing retail and sleep and, and everything else. So I think what uh, really the opportunity is a complete rethink. Um, and let's start with business models because you know, we all talk about bending the cost curve and, and the concept of incrementally reducing costs by a point or, or two here. But what if we bring it to zero? What if we do what the banking industry is doing in, in Africa right now and deliver services for free? What if we do what WhatsApp did and deliver AT&T services for free or what Skype did and, and take entire businesses away? And this is happening. Now, Granted, it's very, very early, and, and a lot's different in health and healthcare, and, and I don't want to be overly dramatic, but I think there are aspects of the industry that are radically going to change, and I also think a lot of this is going to happen globally and perhaps ricochet back to places like the United States and, and be very disruptive in hopefully very positive ways. Well, that is superb, and... I'm with you on this journey, so, and I know these gentlemen are too. So question for, for uh, Clark and for Matt here is, can you find examples either of what you're doing or what you're seeing in the industry that kind of support this transformation towards the more value-centric, patient-centric, but elevating in digital, et cetera? Yeah, I, actually I do. I, I see uh, uh, a number of companies, in fact, a number of the companies that we invest in uh, through our venture fund uh, really is focused on the care continuum. 
Uh, something that comes to mind, a great example is uh, when you think about uh, Merck, we, we have a new uh, immuno-oncology uh, cancer therapeutic, Keytruda. And with that, uh, the therapeutic alone, uh, although it's pretty miraculous in the results, isn't enough for patients. There's a whole care continuum. So a perfect example is uh, Navigating Cancer, uh, another startup which we are invested in, to really provide all of those services, the patient engagement services, and really transform uh, from start to finish what it takes uh, through the entire journey uh, once uh, you're, you're looking for information all the way through to diagnosis, treatment, and care to the end. So I, I think that is absolutely going to be transformative. Indeed, I'll just share an example from a recent client experience where the initial question that was asked was relatively simple, but what it led to was a complete rethink of the entire business model. And this was a large imaging company. They make MRIs, CAT scans, the big iron in imaging labs. Those machines produce a tremendous amount of data, tremendous, that almost none of which is utilized. They're almost all connected to the cloud. It can be utilized. Combine that with the risks in the EMR databases, suddenly you have a package that can be worth real money in the system. And their fundamental question was, we produce all this data, how do we monetize it? Well, what we quickly began to realize is, of course, you can use it for simple things like break-fix, predict when the part's going to break before it does, and trigger the supply chain to have it waiting for you there. You can give uh, advice to and improve the performance of and drive management of the tech. You can derive best practices and throughput and minimize downtime. You also can improve clinical efficacy. The slice is taken for the conditions warranted. Uh, at the end of the day, we, we came back from this simple question was to a whole and comprehensive strategy about their whole business model ending up in an ultimate offering of imaging as a service. Forget selling the boxes, right? What this says to me is what I've seen across so many other clients. It used to be, not that long ago, a year or two years ago, we would do strategy, business strategy, or we'd do digital strategy. It was a digital strategy. Now, strategy is digital, and digital is strategy. They're entirely linked. You really can't have a meaningful strategy without interweaving digital into it. That's awesome. Uh, I will just ask the two of you on that. How far away do you think we really are from it being prime time norm? Prime time and normal. I mean, you kind of said it's in your it's in your ventures area. You've given examples. Just if you were to, is it five years away? Is it ten years away? Is it going to happen faster? Oh, geez. I, well, I think it is prime time, but it depends on where it is. So, you know, when you think about it, present emerging businesses, it means they're emerging. They're not certainly mainstay, and I think, I think we're at the beginning of the revolution. When I think about what has to happen the way digital will play into health, uh, the very first thing that needs to happen is digitization of health, and I think that's where we're really at the beginning of the journey. Once that happens and that drives through, I think we're gonna see an accelerating curve go on across health. When I think even in the venture circles, the amount of money that is now going in to drive digital aspects of health is demonstrably different today than it was five years ago. That funding curve continues to rise. Uh, so I think we are uh, at the beginning, but I think it is prime time now. Depends on the area. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah, I would uh, bake this back to sort of a practical business implementation question. What you find, interestingly enough, when you go down the path of creating these strategies that emb embroil uh, digital into a business, it's actually not hard to predict some end state visions for what that business model might be like. What's really hard is to plot the course from here to there. 
and particularly when you recognize the profit incentive of corporations and the discipline that that imbues, that each one of those lily pads from this shore to that have to make money in and of themselves. And what you find today at this early stage as you're talking about, it's really tough to find that first bit lily pad. I can define the one three and four out, but we're not there yet. And so I think when I, I think we're still going to stutter and stop a bit here for the next two, three years, and then I think we're going to see, just as we talked about earlier today, an escalating almost exponential growth in this as we really figure out those first landing points and enable the latter ones. Awesome. Well, I think that brings us actually to the next question, which is, as the essence of all of this is unleashing value. As you've just talked about, everybody has to make money or we have to make money in a different way collectively across this. But back to the three of you guys there is, you know, what value do you think can realistically brought to the broader health system across the kind of providers and the payers and the risk bearers while we focus on those unmet needs of the patients or even on the patients themselves in, in a way we wouldn't have done before, but you're releasing value, but you're going across the system. How can we realistically do that? Even if you have some examples, that's good. Steve, do you want to start? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm going to answer your question. I'll say that before I begin. Hopefully I do. <laughs> I, th I, think, I, I think here's the challenge that we have. How, how do we in the payer industry be able to assist all of this creation that's happening? Because there are multiple new startups, new companies, new people that want to come in and want to do business. And a lot of it is, at the end of that last lily pad, to Matthew's point, it's fantastic. But when we walk together to monetize that, so everybody walks away with a smile on their face, it's really challenging. So somebody has to lose out in the equation. Um, in that broader ecosystem, I think the payer industry, I'm a part of it, so I think we need to build down, take down some of the walls on how people can work with us differently, how people can understand us differently. There's not really a good bridge or broker at all to allow startups to engage in it, unless it's through a venture fund or through innovation departments that we start or lead. Or, but I, I think there has to be better bridges, different walls, different ways that we can kind of go from that vision, which I agree is out there, to the reality, to use cases that we can actually install. Because in today's world, and I, I'm with you on the future, but in today's world, it is about bending the cost curve. The employers that are buying it, the, the major companies that are investing into it, they have a deliverable to bend the cost curve at some level, or at least say they did, even if they didn't. And I think we have to find a better way that we can work together to release some of that value that exists today. A lot of these companies are the ones that we'll see later today. Lastly, a lot of the companies that are on here later tonight, they're getting after that, closing the loop for the consumer. I think that's, that's really critical because if the consumer has a push back to the provider, back to the payer, back to the government, et cetera, I think that push could actually turn the tide a lot quicker than all of us industry experts. Absolutely. I'm sure, Unity, you have a perspective on this. So. Well, um, you know, I think one of the really exciting things today is that there's, there's so many thousands of startups and entrepreneurs out there today building solutions. And, and what we're noticing is there's a whole group of companies focusing on what I would call incremental innovation. You know, solutions for the market, sometimes point solutions, features that solve a very specific problem the market needs today can plug into their platform or their system and, and incrementally improve something. You know, Athena Health has been doing this for 10 years with taking facts 
you know, and, and digitizing fax machines, you know, or paper, um, you know what I mean. Um, and, and there's a whole other group of entrepreneurs who are focusing on what I would call leapfrog innovation. And I think it's essential to have both because you don't get to the, the radical innovation without having those incremental steps along the way. You know, I, I often say I believe we're in 1994 internet right now when Netscape just went public and, you know, equate that to maybe Fitbit just went public and, you know, people were scared to put their credit cards into the website and people didn't even know how to get onto the web and that's how early we are um, in the innovation cycle. Uh, but you see what has changed, how many different cycles of innovation we've been through over the last 20 years since then. And it's extraordinary. Um, so it's a combination of things moving faster and slower than you think at the same time um, through incremental innovation and radical innovation sort of supporting each other. Okay. Uh Clark or uh, Carl, did you have something you wanted to add to that? I, I was just going to say that I agree, but when I think about the internet, which has predominantly been a consumer-driven phenomenon and change, healthcare is so much more complicated with a payer-provider um, system and patients that I think where the disruption will come, how the disruption will come, can't be predicted. And that's why I think we'll see a lot of various bright spots and how that transformation will occur, I don't think anyone knows. So I think the internet's a good proxy. I think this is far more complicated and with that provides far more opportunity for many. Awesome. Either of you, you're good. Yeah, I mean, when I look at it, I always draw the analogy with the music industry and how it faltered there in the kind of mid-90s prior to the iPhone and iTunes really giving it a platform for growth. They digitized the music, then it went off into the internet, and we all downloaded stuff for cheap off of someplace that you couldn't trust particularly. You didn't know what it was. The industry was up in arms because it didn't know how it was ever going to make money again. Uh, and there was a massive disruption, but there was one surge of clarity that came. And once you got iTunes and the digitization of music, and then you got Spotify and you got everything else that happened afterwards, suddenly platforms just became the norm. And it was the platforms that took over and really created our ability to cross borders and, and, and operate in a completely different manner than we had before. So that may be what happens in this industry at some stages. There's just a platform that comes in that, that leaves it a level playing field, connects those lily pads, and makes it much easier for us to operate together. We don't know, right? So uh, just to, to, to wrap up here, I did uh, want to just say what's limiting our ability and more um, not from a negative perspective, but really what do we need to aspire to break down? Uh, and push this group of people who are thinking about startups, who are thinking about putting their time, money, energy, effort into doing something different, going for those moonshots, what would be your advice to the things that we need to challenge together to move forward with uh, pace and a clarity? One for all of you, just parting thoughts. Sure, happy to. I'm reminded that we work, all of us, in an industry that, for the most part, hasn't changed since we used to exchange chickens for care. 
And just because something is better, newer, sexier, faster, does not mean it's going to be adopted. It's really tough to push adoption in healthcare. I think I heard the typical new disruptive technology takes six years to penetrate our industry as standard protocol. The thing that trumps that, I believe, is the profit motivation. And I think the primary impediment to our moving forward is the current economic realities of our system in which, to be perfectly frank, too many people, too many companies, too many institutions are making far too much money doing it the way we're doing it today to in any way create the incentive or motivation to change. Now that's changing in specific markets and it's beginning as a groundswell that will grow over time, but I think that's the number one impediment. Clark, what do you think? So I agree. I think the dynamics of the industry uh, resist that change, but I also look at that as being opportunity rich. And when I think about all the startups here, when you look at music and there was a producer and a consumer, there are so many aspects of change across health and life sciences, whether it's in the sciences, whether it's with the patients, whether it's with providers or payers, there's just huge opportunity in a system with trillions of dollars to be taken out, which to me, is just endless opportunity for folks like you in this room who can drive startups and make that change. Awesome. Carl? I'm with Clark. I mean, I think, I mean, look at the energy in this room and the heat. Actually, it's kind of warm in here, too. But, um, <laughs> but uh, no, there's, I, I think that, uh, you know, bottom line is I, beyond what was already said and the efficiency in the system that's there, I would say that um, you spend time with patients each day, each week, and there's enough motivation in there to get out and do something about it. Um, I would say you have to find a way at this point to find out where your passion is, where, where that area of opportunity is. And I think at this point it's incremental, back to some of the points you made earlier, um, kind of drive, drive in a stepwise fashion at this point. Awesome. Steve? Um, I, I think in one way we all need to think more like consumers. This entire ecosystem, one thing that maybe is different than, maybe, maybe not than music, is that we all either purchase it or we're a part of an employer that provides it, or we engage it. We're all in this ecosystem somewhere along the line. So I think somehow we have to think more like consumers, and maybe the consumer that's not going for a wellness visit. Maybe it's the consumer that's going in for a life or death visit. And I think if we put this on the edge a little bit more, maybe we'll make better decisions, quicker decisions, even in our own ecosystem. We'll maybe come to a better endpoint in a faster way. Unity, final word. Um, so I think the only limiting factor in, in how much progress we make comes down to one thing, which is mindset. The mindset of the leaders of today's leading health organizations, today's leading technology companies, and today's politicians, and today's entrepreneurs, um, as well as patients and consumers. Um, it's a mindset of either it's possible for a new future in health, or there's a stagnation mindset, which is it's actually never going to evolve from the time when we, we paid for our care with, with chickens. And I, I think what's happened is it took the last 50 years to all the hard work was done over the last 50 years to get to this moment now. And I think it's the leaders and the entrepreneurs and the organizations that have this transformer mindset that can make that shift and, and unleash a great uh, moment of progress over the next few years. Well, that's fantastic. I think that's a great, great thought to end on. Basically, what you're saying is the stage is set. 
we've pitched the ball and it's up to all of us collectively plus all the energy in this room to make it happen. Please help me to thank this wonderful panel for sharing their thoughts. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you.